Hello. We are so glad that you could join us today. Our prayer is that as you listen to the word, you would take this time to draw nearer to God as an individual and as a family. God loves you so so much, and his desire is for you to get closer to him in this season through worship, through dwelling in his word and prayer. So we've had a very interesting opening of this year. I know that uh, in the Word of the Year I spoke about there being a turbulent beginning and a triumphant ending of the year. Uh, little did I know how prophetic that would be, how the, not only the COVID crisis, but many people have faced a very, very challenging season, a very challenging time in their lives. And uh, even in my own life, uh, as some of you know, three weeks ago, I began to have uh, some symptoms in my body. And uh, so the great team of doctors that we have uh, in our church uh, ran tests on me. We did every test imaginable here in Zimbabwe. They insisted that I went to South Africa, and they wanted to run tests there as well. And after running all the same tests that they did here and still finding nothing, they insisted that they went inside and took a look. And uh, boy, I was at two minds about that. I mean, when you find nothing, I like to live by faith. But I came to faith in my heart. And so I said, okay, for the sake of my doctors, because I'm a man under authority, I, in that regard, I will take a look. But I told them before I went under and before I went into the operation, I said, you're not going to find anything. Well, they weren't convinced until I came out. And then they were convinced because they found nothing. And so not only did I go to the urologist, but I went to the specialist uh, cardiologist, and I have a clean bill of health. I just want to report to you that, you know, I started with a turbulent day, but it's become a very, very triumphant end. And so uh, I want to thank you. I want to thank all of you for your support. I want to thank you for the way you've been gracious towards me. I realize how important family is. I realize how important relationships are. Um, and to have so many of you stand with me, the doctors, the nurses, the, uh, our, our team, our staff. And then I got to South Africa, and there our pastors were. And uh, it's very humbling. It's very, very humbling. So with that in mind, and, and with a very humble heart, I, I, I've been wrestling with some things as I deal with many of your lives and my own life. And uh, I'm dealing with the heart of man. And I entitled my message today, Who Can Know a Man's Heart? So today I want to consider our hearts. You know, the heart is one of the most amazing aspects of God's creation. I'm not talking about the physical heart necessarily, that organ that's in your chest that's pumping blood through your body, but the place inside us that can feel the pains of life, that can experience the joys of hope, the, uh, that, that one area of your being that has the ability to express both love and hate, or love or hate. Our hearts were designed by God for His purposes. We cannot forget that God commands us to do things with our hearts. And those are best, at best difficult or at worst things that we just don't want to do, especially in times of disappointment, in hours of travail during seasons of loss or through periods of betrayal, what is it that he commands us to do? To love, to forgive, and to trust. 
possibly the most complex truth we face in our lives is what to do after a violation or after a betrayal or after we've suffered abuse or an offense. I can almost guarantee to love is the last thing that's on our minds. In fact, if we're honest, love is not even in our vocabulary at the point of our initial pain. We can only come to this truth, the idea that in the midst of often inexplicable or unexplainable pain and sorrow, that there is a means to love. Now, this kind of love can only come from a heart that has understood and has been able to grasp what it means to live in an attitude or a mindset of forgiveness. In this past year, I've noticed that the love of many has begun to wane. The Bible says that the love of most would grow cold. Marriages are feeling the pressure of lockdown. Families are suffering from the toxic atmosphere caused by too much social media, too little activity, and the social, social distancing from friends and family that bring the much-needed support and the values that we need to build into our lives, to have healthy lives. We're seeing the breakdown of society taking place right in front of our eyes. Think of the mistrust most people have towards governments. Consider the credibility gap that world agencies are experiencing in the minds of people as the politicization of medicine has created more doubts and fears than it has answers. Heavy-handedness of autocratic leaders, stripping away freedoms and rights of people for the so-called betterment of, or the better good of society. Yet, for those who are suffering, it's not the elites or the wealthy, but it's those who can least afford the so-called solutions and those who have no voice to be heard. Rather, they become the victims of poor medical delivery systems and bad governance. And of course, there's little or no recourse. Did you know that more people are dying of treatable diseases today than they are of COVID? More than ever. Why? Because of the fear of COVID and we have many that are losing their lives unnecessarily. You know, I believe that when this so-called pandemic is over, if the powers that be ever allow it to come to an end, I believe that once the dust settles, we will see some of the greatest abuses of mankind in the history of mankind. What do we do when we find ourselves in these terrible times and when we find our hearts growing cold or even hardening towards each other or even hardening towards God? Well, I think we might need God to give us a new heart. Right now, I want you to do something. I want you to tell your heart to beat again. You know, there's a, a pastor, his name is Randy Phillips. He's a Christian songwriter. And, he was inspired to write a song called Tell Your Heart to Beat Again by, by this true story. Listen, listen, listen to the story. There was a pastor in the state of Ohio who asked a member of his church, who was a surgeon, if he could be in the operating room to watch an open-heart surgery of one of his church members. The doctor permitted him to observe, and the, phys the physician began that surgery, and he removed the woman's heart, repaired what was wrong, and placed it back into her chest. As he massaged her heart to get it going, it wouldn't beat. He tried to start it using other procedures, but nothing worked. In an act of desperation, the surgeon knelt down beside the patient and said, Mrs. Johnson, this is your surgeon. The operation went perfectly, and your heart has been repaired. But you need to let your heart, you need to tell your heart to beat again. When he finished saying those words, immediately her heart began beating. Now, even though the surgeon did everything necessary to repair her heart, the patient needed to cooperate with him. 
by an act of her will, she had to start her own heart beating. Just, just take a couple of minutes and to listen to this song by Randy Phillips. Forgiven If only you'd forgive yourself You've been made new But you're still standing where you fell Cause when you look in the mirror Seems like all you ever see All the scars of every failure And the you that you a loved one and your heart has stopped beating. Perhaps your spouse betrayed you and your heart no longer beats. You've lost hope. You've lost your will to live. Remember, God is the great physician who can repair your heart. 
But you have to let your heart begin to beat again. You must tell your heart to love again. You must command your heart to hope again. No matter what tragedy you've been through, you can live again. And you can move forward with your life again. And I'm asking you to do something today. Just tell your heart to beat again. Ezekiel, the 36th chapter, the 26th verse says, A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. Let me give you three points today. Number one, we need to get busy at replacing a heart of stone with a heart of flesh. There's one thing that we can be certain of in life, and that is that offenses are going to come. Offenses originate in different forms and from different people at distinct stages in our lives. Those that come from the outside, those offenses, don't really seem to have quite as deep an impact as the ones that are on the inside or those instigated by the ones that are closest to us or at least those least expected to hurt us. The truth is we'll never be able to avoid or ignore offenses because they're bound to occur. You see, the world that we're living in is what the Bible declares as a selfish, self-seeking generation who are driven by what they feel. Jeremiah says it this way in chapter 17, verse 10, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You see, the heart is deceitfully wicked. And we know it to be so. And yet we often find ourselves being driven by this organ of the soul that is so desperate, so deceptive, and so wicked. You know, our hearts will make us believe a lie if we allow ourselves to submit to its subtleties. Our hearts speak to us often, and they address many things, some good, but mostly bad. Why? Because for the most part, our hearts are not totally surrendered to God. When our hearts are not given over to God completely, we can be in danger of falling. Uh, Falling from or falling away from or failing of the mercies of God, even the grace of God. Proverbs warns us, it says in Proverbs 4, verse 30, or 23, I think. It says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. The Apostle Paul, in the book of Romans, describes what happens to mankind when we follow our darkened hearts. Romans 1, 21 through 32 says this, it says, because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of uncorruptible God into an image made like unto corruptible man, and unto birds, and four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator." is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, God gave them up unto their vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which was against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of a woman, burned in their lust toward one another. Men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, 
whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, disrespectful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil, of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, do not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Hey, listen carefully this morning. God gives every man an open choice, an opportunity. It's you and I who get to determine what we're going to do with our hearts and subsequently with our lives. This has to be so. You see, without choice, there could be no goodness. And without choice, there could be no love. A persuaded or a manipulated goodness is not real goodness. And a persuaded love or a manipulated love is not love at all. A friend of mine quotes a parable, and I love it. He says, a man persuaded against his will is of the same opinion still. You can't persuade people to become something morally. You see, if men deliberately choose to turn their backs on God after he has sent his son Jesus Christ into the world, not even Jesus can do anything about that. Not even God can do anything. See, when Paul speaks of God abandoning men to uncleanness, it's, it's not God's condemnation and judgment that is at the forefront. No. Rather, it's a, a sad, contemplative, contemplative and sorrowful regret. It describes exactly the feeling of the father in the story of the prodigal son. When he saw his son turn his back on his home and take his inheritance foolishly and go out to a far country. Just, just think of the pain. Think of the sorrow. Think of the hurt. Hearts that have been hurt multiple times and in multiple ways have the tendency to grow numb. Many have developed a callousness that, that if unattended can progress to becoming hardened, the Bible says, like a stone. And eventually it becomes so hard that your heart becomes impenetrable. That is a defense mechanism. It's a defense mechanism that you and I develop for our own safety. We're just tired of getting hurt. Tears upon tears, crying upon crying, weeping upon weeping, moaning and mourning. We come to a place where we either decide, I'm not going to take this any longer, or I just don't want to go on with it. I don't want to carry on. This choice is the beginning. It's the, it's the starting point that allows our hearts to become calloused and then hardened like a rock, and eventually stone dead. In Scripture, we read the story of a man. His name was Nabal. Nabal was a man whose heart had become hardened. And neither God nor his servants nor his wife were able to penetrate his heart. There was no access, not even a soft spot, nothing that would move him to help or have compassion for anyone else. It was dead. 1 Samuel 25 verse 37 says this, But it came to pass in the morning, when the wine was gone out of Nabal, that his wife told him these things, and his heart died within him, and he became as a stone. Abigail, Nabal's wife, was an amazing woman. She was a righteous woman. She tried to work with this man's heart. But uh, the night before, she'd already tried to convince him that, hey, you don't want to fight with David. And he'd been so embittered. And then he had a drunken party. And while he was full of the alcohol, he seemed to be alive. But when the alcohol left him, when the wine had left him, it says that he woke up in the morning and he was stone dead in his heart. His heart 
was dead. He felt nothing for anyone. Well, I want you to know something. There comes a time in many of our lives when our hearts just not only are calloused, not only grow hard, but they can become stone dead. So this is the danger that lies within all of us, the danger that you and I face. We have the ability to shift this heart of flesh into a heart of stone. We can do this because of an offense, words of hate or words of disgust, words of discouragement that have been directed at our thoughts and decisions or have directed our own thoughts and decisions into a state of callousness or just a response that says, I give up, I quit. Now, if your heart has become cold, if it refuses to love, and if it doesn't cry out for help anymore, what you're really saying is that you don't need anyone's help, not even God's. But don't you know? He's not done yet. You know, God is a good father, just like the father in the prodigal son story. And he's a just and a holy God. And Even though our hearts were turned against him, know that he will never turn his heart from you or from me. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He changes not. Instead, he says that he sent his son for you and I. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son for whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Point number two. We're in need of an operation. Now, there are many famous positions all around the world. Many doctors that have performed surgeries that were deemed impossible. Many that received accolades for their expertise and their competence. Uh, I think of the doctors that worked on me. The best specialist in this country. The best specialist in South Africa. It was amazing. And uh, I thank God for great surgeons. I thank God for great doctors. You know, if they didn't have good doctors or great doctors, there'd be a lot of dead Christians. But uh, these men save lives. God uses them. We give them accolades. We praise them. We thank them for the work that they do. (laughs) But no surgeon has ever done what Jesus has done. Today, we live in the so-called information age. In fact, we have a whole generation of people who believe that they can find the answer to everything on their cell phone or or God Google. Uh, If our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us some kind of entertainer. But our greatest need was for forgiveness. So God sent us a Savior. More and more, I'm aware that what we need in our lives is a Savior. You and I need a Savior. The Savior, Jesus Christ. There's no other Savior. There's only one. We are in desperate need of His forgiveness. Only when we can embrace His forgiveness will we be able to live again. Live in the way that He intended us to live. And for for you and I, in order to do this, We need to attend to some of the matters of our heart. We're going to need to have to deal with some of the issues. And I want to deal with them today. You see, the prerequisite is to lay our hearts at the altar of God. It might be good for the sake of this message for us to think in terms of a procedure that is set forth for heart surgery. 
Much of heart surgery that is performed today is due to some degree of blockage to the heart, to the arteries or to the veins that interact with the heart. Surgeons determine what the issue is through a series of tests and blood work and ultrasound, x-rays, CAT scans, MRIs, EKGs, stress tests. As you and I look at that, at this from a spiritual point of view, I think it's easy to say that God also examines our heart. And he sometimes does this, or he does his own kind of tests on us. He often brings to our attention that there are some procedures that he needs to perform in our hearts because there are things blocking the passageways to a healthy life. Could it be unforgiveness? Maybe rejection, bitterness, hatred, anxiety, unbelief. The effect of having been betrayed or having betrayed someone. Anger, rage, molestation, adultery. Only you and God know what those issues that block your heart may be. But he needs to operate. He wants to clear the plaque from the passages. The question is, will you surrender and lay it all down and allow him to remove those blockages? Those blockages that have hardened your heart, that have begun to turn it to stone and replace it with a new one. Will you let him have a chance to give you a new heart? Will you decide to say, God, here's my pain, here's my sorrow, here's my unbelief, here's my anger, my resentment, here's my heart. You see, only when you and I decide to do so can God begin the process to perform a successful surgery of our spiritual hearts. Only after we decide to give him the permission to access our hearts can he begin to redeem and restore our stony hearts. Only then will he remove that heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. One that can feel again. One that can love again. One that relies on him. Only when we say, God, I'm a sinner. I need a savior. Only then can God move. God, please forgive me. Forgive me for my sin. You see, only when we repent and confess, saying I'm sorry for what I've done. Here's my heart. Lord, I give it to you. Only then, only when we dethrone ourselves and enthrone Jesus, will that miracle begin to happen. Only then will we see the great physician reach in and be able to change our hearts. Finally, uh, let me go on to point number three. Tell your heart to beat again. You know, in my opening illustration, we heard about the miracle that took place when the doctor spoke his patient on the operating table at the end of the successful heart surgery and he whispers in her ear tell your heart to beat again what is amazing is that it's on record that her heart began to beat again somehow I'm sensing that the great physician is speaking to many of us today he's trying to whisper in our ears he's assuring us that we can tell our hearts to beat again. Will you allow God to begin to continue to minister to your heart? Not only today, but into your future. Will you allow him to begin to work through you and with this new heart that he gives you? Will you begin to let that truth that he places inside your heart, that life-giving truth that is transforming you, begin to transform the lives of those around you? 2 Corinthians 3 verse 3 says, being made manifest that you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, 
but with the Spirit of God, with living God, not in tablets of stone, but in tables that are hearts of flesh. This is the good news. God can change you because of his gospel. And by changing you, he can use you to help change others. This is the story of your lifetime. Tell your heart to beat again. The change in your character and the change in your life is the only commendation that others need to see. This is what the Apostle Paul was saying. And it was his great claim. He says, every one of you is a letter, an epistle of Christ. See, Paul and Jesus and me, your pastor, I, I want to write Christ's message on the hearts of those that are being redeemed and delivered. And I don't want to use fading ink, but I want to write with the Spirit of God, not on tablets of stone, but on fleshly tablets of the heart. See, the, the law was written on stone, but God says, I'll write my law in your hearts. There's a great truth here, which is both an inspiration and an awful warning. Every man is an open letter before the eyes of Jesus Christ and the world. Every Christian, whether he likes it or not, is an advertisement for Christianity. The honor of Christ is in the hand of you and me, his followers. We rate a shopkeeper by the kind of goods he sells. We evaluate a craftsman by the quality of the articles he produces. We judge a church by the kind of men it creates. And therefore, men judge Christ by his disciples, by his followers. The heart that has been touched by God will be a testimony of the very love of the Father. Not only to you as his child, but to those who evaluate him by the lives that you and I live. God wants to give you a renewed, pliable, and submissive heart. If you're really ready to allow the surgeon to do his work, I want you to just open your heart and I want you to pray. Receive what he's promised by faith. And if you believe that he has done a work in our hearts and has replaced our calloused hearts with a flesh heart, we can begin afresh today. Let me pray for you. Father, I'm praying for every person under the sound of my voice today. I'm asking, Lord, that you would cause their hearts to be open to this gospel, open to the truth, open to what you're desiring to do in our lives. Remove from us a calloused, hard, stone heart. Father, we've been so broken by the circumstances of this life, these perilous times. I'm asking that you would reach in as the great surgeon. Touch men's hearts today. Touch women's hearts today. Touch children's hearts today. More importantly, Lord, give us the boldness to ask you to touch our hearts. Give us the boldness to seek your face. We believe that you were able to create us. Therefore, I believe you're able to recreate us. Father, for some of us that have served you for so many years, we've become weary in well-doing. We ask you to revive us again. Help us to really face ourselves, our hearts, and you. Now, Father, for those that are praying right now, do what only you can do. Touch them by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, 
or this word is speaking to your heart or you realize that, man, I'm in danger of becoming stone cold. <laughs> I want you to know something. It's time for you to get help. Why don't you reach out to somebody? There's some phone numbers there on the screen. We can't be face-to-face right now. But I know the people on the other end of that line. Oh, they're not all pastors, but we can get you to a pastor. They're not all counselors, but we can get you to a counselor. But they've all been trained. They can pray. They can talk to you. And you can pour your heart out. Begin to have that healing process. Start today. Pick up the phone. Call somebody. Ask them to help you. My prayer is that all of our hearts will get healthier. If your heart is distanced from people, I think it's important that you make a very concerted effort to begin to meet with people in the body of Christ. That's why we have cell groups. That phone number can help you get to a cell group, help you to build friendships. God did not create us to live in isolation. God did not create men and women to hide ourselves and to hide behind masks and to be under this kind of oppression. God created us to be free. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. We need each other now more than ever. Let's go. Let's seek God. Let's ask God to help us to let our hearts beat again. Come on, say it to your heart. Heart, I I command you to beat again. There's still life left in you. There's still hope and a future for you. I love you. God bless you till next week. Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that you were blessed and that God will continue to transform your life in this season. If you have a testimony or need prayer and counseling, please send a WhatsApp or a call me to plus 263-784-303900 or plus 263-717-459999. We want to hear from you and we're here for you and are ready to listen to you, to pray for you and to celebrate with you. So thank you. We love you and stay safe.